Welcome to this week's episode of the Get Ready Podcast. As always, I'm your host, company me is uh, our other host, Grant. So I'm your co-host. He's our other co-host. Welcome back, pal. We got a jam-packed show. We're actually going to do something a little different. We've done it a couple of times. We're just going to talk more about the current market and what's going on. There's a lot of madness. There's a labor shortage going on. Commodity prices are spiking. Um, inflation worries. There's a $6 trillion proposal. Meme stocks are going bananas again. I mean, it is just all a little bit of madness but nonetheless i'm here with you to kind of put ourselves at ease so talk to me goose how we doing i'm doing wonderful welcome back current events hot trending topic what is it june 1st so we're uh month number six we're, we're about halfway through the year it's a good good topic to talk about right president's been in office for quite some time you talked about all the latest news all the latest money I'm doing great. Memorial Day was a good weekend. I'm a little tired, so this the show. I'm not gonna lie. I'm do, I'm I'm on like half tank for this show, but I'm gonna give it my all, and I think we're gonna crush. Um, <clears throat> but current news is easy. I mean, we lived it, right? And we have opinions on it, and we we consume a lot of the media around it, and we re- regurgitate our thoughts to our audience. So, why don't you lead us? Where, where do you want to start? You know, I I have a I had a little outline, but I think we just start at the top. Um, Right now, President Biden is proposing a $6 trillion spending plan over the next four years or whatever it is. Um, and it's just like, wow. And then that's going to lead us into a lot of these other issues. But I'm like, what are we spending this money for? Like, what? I don't understand. Like, what do you, how, do you know how hard it is to spend $6 trillion? Like, I saw like a stat, like if you were given a certain amount of money every second, it was a lot of money, like every second, you wouldn't get to a trillion dollars. Like, if you lived to 80, I'm like, that is a, what are we spending all this money on? It can't cost that much for roads and, and fit, I guess the way prices are going up, but I don't know. That's just my initial take is like, what in the world? Like everything, why is everything so, ex- well, I know why everything's so expensive, but like, do we really need six? Tr- that's 6,000 billions. A lot of money. <laughs> I mean, just think of it like this. Jeff Bezos is worth 187 billion and we rag on the guy for how much money he has. This guy is trying to print $6 trillion. You know, when you walk around and you were talking about housing markets, everyone, everyone I talked to in every different market in the States are talking about how their house is just 25, 50, 75% of premium because all the mark, all the money that just got flushed into the economy over the last 12 months, there's just so much money everywhere. Everyone has money. And the problem is no one's working. So there's no value with that money. So now there's shortages everywhere. And what, what's occurring right now is everywhere from like what semiconductors to at like the Tesla level to like Chick-fil-A sauce at the common level. Like you can't get anything anymore. It's because there's no labor. They have, there's an abundance of everything we need. No one's working. I don't know what's going on. So why he would print another $6 trillion. This isn't an anti-Biden message. I, I actually you know what the world's at peace right now, seemingly from a mental, it's not horrible, but we're somewhat there, you know, like it's better than it was six months ago, 12 months ago. Point being is like $6 trillion, man, is a lot of money and $4 trillion is just going to families and infrastructure, really ambiguous. I mean, infrastructure can mean anything. Education can mean anything. Uh, families, like we're just paying people to have families now. Like, what is this? Like China just raised it to three kids from two kids. I know that's celebrated, but what are we doing uh, giving families money? I know who need it, but... Uh, there's a certain extent that we need to get back to work. Long rant. I don't know what's going on, but my uh, current news is that that's the hot topic. What is your thoughts on it? That's, you just kind of busted into the room. There you go. You laid a lot of good stuff out there. Same thing. <laughs> you know, 
now I'm going to kind of piece through it. What I want to go is to this housing piece first. That's okay. what I want to really key in on here. Uh, you said a lot of people's homes are up 20, 30, 40%. I heard a great conversation in the office the other day. It's like, I don't dare sell my house right now. And they were like, well, why not? It's like, how are you going to find another one to live in? And I'm yeah. like, that is a, 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 a great point to this situation where you are not actually increasing anything in purchasing power. It's just keeping you flat. Think about if you, everyone who's selling their house, unless you were taking a downgrade, like you are not selling your house and moving into the city. The only way is if you are in one of these large metropolitan areas that you could sell your house for a million dollars, you've made 30, you know, 300 grand, then you can move to the suburbs and be okay. But there is no no upgrading. If your house was 600 grand and now it's 800 grand and you want to upgrade at 900 grand, good luck because it's got to be the same house. And this is a key, key point of what inflation is, is it makes the assets rise faster and everything else so that you notice it in the assets first. Everyone's house is not worth any more money in terms of buying another house. Now, it may buy you some more TVs, it may buy you another car, it may buy you some of this stuff, but it's not buying any more value yeah no i mean I, I mean when you talk about people selling I, i've been courted already a lot of people have been courted everyone i know really and i look at it from two different types of sell standpoints there's the people who are selling because they have a plan and they're gonna they're gonna go rent for two years and so they get in there until they figure out what they want to do with their spending or maybe it's for a bigger prize maybe it's an investment property or there's there's just people who are betting i i have a lot of i have a a hunch that the majority of people trying to sell right now are betting on a correction. So they're like, well, I'll just buy now and I'll rent for a little bit or I'll, I'll buy something else at a really low, whatever I'm going to do. I'm going to wait for it to correct. And then I'm going to buy into my actual home, my, my final home or my next home. So they're just going to rent for an hour or two. They're, they're waiting for the correction in 12 months. If that's going to happen, <clears throat> there's mixed opinions on that. My neighbor who's in this industry believes that it's not, it's never going to correct. It's going to continue to go higher and higher and higher. And, a correction doesn't feel like it's going to be a correction. It's going to kind of be like Bitcoin from 60 to 55, not Bitcoin from 60 to 30. That's the correction he believes in, but he's also in the industry. So that's, you know, someone in the industry, I feel like it's hard to see the forest from the trees, but so I'm going to go, go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to go to this housing situation where if you price houses in gold and we pick on gold a little bit, but gold is a great store of value. It holds its wealth very, very well. And you look at the average price of the home and you look at the home index, right? It keeps going up, keeps going up, keeps going up. However, largely it is down when you talk about over like the last, you know, 10 years, it's down in terms of gold. Now, Gold is, you know, hasn't performed as well lately in an inflationary environment as you would like to see. But nonetheless, it's at the, one of the lowest points. Like you're not actually getting any more money. So if you price your houses, house in ounces of gold, which gold has a better store of store value capabilities, you, you, you're not getting any more ounces of gold is the way I would put it. And I know it seems silly, but you have to try to get like for like, or maybe if we use like the S&P 500, we might see a similar situation, but you're not getting any more out of your house, even though your house is exploding. Um, hell, try to put a deck on the back of your house and try to take out a home equity loan. That home <laughs> equity, equity line is great. You're getting a great line of credit for a $20,000 deck. Joke's on you. The lumber for that deck is now 40 grand. So you're, you're not building that deck. So you're not, imp again, you're not improving anything. You're just, it seems like you have a bunch of money. Yeah, it's, it's a false narrative, right? That's a good rant. I appreciated that rant. I think we hit it home. I think, you know, labor shortage, all that stuff. I mean, I, here, I have a 15-year-old. 
I mean, listen to this real quick. He went offered to work $15 an hour at like the Burger King down the street. He said, kick rocks. Then he got like 18 bucks an hour at <clears throat> just a local restaurant around here. And he's like, ah, I don't know. He's, I'm trying to figure out what is that market threshold for the new incoming laborer, the 16 year old, right? The, the proposed, what was always known as the cashier, uh, you know, the person at the Wendy's, the McDonald's drive through, like those are just like the, the, yeah. I mean, you're at a gas station, a convenience store, all that, like that person who represents that job typically is like a 16 to 21 year old, just getting cash to go take a girl out or go something for college, beer money, whatever. They're not working for seven bucks an hour. Like we were working for, they're working. We don't know what the number is. What do you think it is? 20? I mean, I, I think 15 to 18 is going to get most people in. I know your son, your, your son might be in a little different situation. <laughs> um, I think it's going to get a lot of people in. Yeah. I, I, I think, too, you know, this is going to go into two points I was going to make. We'll start on this labor shortage. You know, we're giving people, hey, uh, pandemic, <clears throat> you shut a bunch of businesses down, and you give them some money to help them out. Good on you. Fine. But now this has turned into like a habit. It's like, oh, you did it once. Now you did it twice. Now you're doing it. This is the third time. And then you're giving all these unemployment benefits. I mean, at some point, it's going to turn into an addiction. And the thing about it, too, is actually, I'm just going to keep going in my in my yeah, line. You are paying people to stay at home. We cannot find workers. So now, if they don't pull this away, and I think this thing lasts until September. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it, that's when it's going until. Yeah, September. If they, so businesses now have to make a decision. You got June, July, August, September. So you got four months. Are you going to grind through the summer? You're going to grind through this busy season with a fraction of the staff. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have people that get burnt out. So you're going to risk what you want. You're running at like 60% employment, like at, at some of these businesses um, in terms of what they need to actually be fully staffed. So then, okay, let's say you do want to go out and incentivize these people to get off to, to come work for you. So guess what? You got to make that starting salary 25, 30 bucks. Guess what you got to do to everybody else? You got to raise them. It's all the rising tides lift all boats. Now the Biden administration came out and said, Hey, we want to, we want to close the wage gap, but we want to make wages go higher. And I'm like, that's one way to do it. Now, again, the problem is those wages aren't going to mean anything because everything else is more expensive. So you're getting two forms of inflation. You're getting money directly into the people's hands. You're driving up wages to incentivize people to come out. So now everybody has more money across the board. And therefore, what ends up happening is money is largely worthless. A lot of things done unravel. Good job. Hey, wait. A lot of things done unravel there. Bitcoin fixes this, obviously. Uh, I just need to put the disclaimer in there. So anybody listening, buy Bitcoin. Well, that is advice I'll give. And we'll, we'll die on the sword with you. We'll lose more than you probably if you haven't bought it yet. Point being, uh, labor shortage. I think like the work from home crowd. Like right now, currently in my employment, they're like, hey guys, back in July 1, everyone who's working from home has to come back into the office. And it's creating a little bit of a rift, uh, at least in my sector. You could see like some of the people, the creatives, uh, you know, the ones that kind of can stay up late, nocturnal work, they don't necessarily have to be in, as involved in meetings. Uh, they're kind of at, at odds right now. They're not comfortable. This is the crowd that got super comfortable from work from home. And now we're coming back. And now they're like, oh, God, the fork's in the road. I didn't really think it was going to happen. So now you have this crowd coming back and they know that, well, I can quit and make just as much money on the side. Um, I, I also believe the way you can assess this, and it sounds pretty cold hearted, I want to say, because there's so many layers to it, is like, look outside. I mean, masks are off, mandates, they're really mandates, like stadiums are at full capacity and sporting events, 
all of our most of our entertainment's back like vaccines are readily available like the pandemic is largely over like the pandemic i mean coronavirus is still alive but the the absolute media porn of the pandemic and what the fear the fear of it is pretty much gone and people have assumed the risk today and everyone's at a comfortable level but the government isn't acting that way. The government's doing the exact opposite. They're continuing to fund everyone and continue to do exactly what they were doing 12 months ago. And this is the time where we're like, all right, we got a penny saved as a penny earned. How are we going to pay the $6 trillion back? That's that's the million dollar question. What are we going to do? Well, one, they're going to tax people more. Yeah. And two, they're just going to deflate the currency even more. So that means those dollars are going to be worth less in the future anyway. So we're going to be able to pay them back easily. But think about like all the people that are on social security on fixed income. Like your money is literally, you're, you're losing money. You're not going to be able to continue to afford your lifestyle, especially if you live another 10, 15 years. That's what's kind of, hell at this rate, another two or three years. So it's, <laughs> I mean, look at everything that's going around. So I'm, I'm going to kind of transition. I hope this isn't too soon, but this is just where we're talking about is you're not going to be able to pay this stuff back. If you just look at the mathematics, People just see trillion and billion and they think it's only a two letter difference. No, it's a thousand times different. It's a thousand times more. And people I got in an argument, not an argument, but a discussion with my uncle about, well, everyone thought that was going to happen in 2008 and the, the dollar was going to get, get crushed. And I was like, yeah, but they printed 800 billion. They printed a fraction of our GDP. They basically wrote themselves alone at a much smaller amount. So moving back to this whole thing where all these fixed income guys are getting smoked and all these um, social security people are just getting basically wrecked. I mean, yeah, social security won't exist for us. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion. <laughs> that's that's why we're buying Bitcoin Ponzi. right now, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pyramid. It's the worst Ponzi scheme of all time. Like, it's an MLM. It's, it's, yeah, geez, I mean, it's terrible. So, so let's rewind. And again, everything is costing more. So let's go to lumber, right? Lumber mm-hmm. builds all the houses. I mean, it's skyrocketing now. And the thing is, is timber is plenty available. Timber is the raw materials, the trees cut down that makes it goes to a lumber mill and turns into lumber. So that is the lumber mills need to expand. But if you're a lumber mill owner right now, are you rushing out to put in more lumber mill? No, you think it's a bubble. Everyone thinks it's a bubble. When everyone thinks it's one way, I typically go the other way. Everyone I talk to. So now let's work our way down the list. You know, soybeans, corn blown through the roof copper steel blown through the roof you know luckily my company is steel my company they've been putting in mills because it, it fits their growth plan they have a very strategic growth but all these steel mills are like oh wow like you can't bank on this forever they all think oh i'm not saying it's a new normal but again you're looking at all this capacity what we've done is we pulled the capacity demand way forward with all of our monetary injection and now we're trying to do an infrastructure bill why okay if we need the roads and we need the bridges, then yes, let's fix them. But let's not just jam a bunch of stuff in because guess what? Everybody, if they want a job, can have a job. We need more people to work at this point because everything's going to get more and more expensive. Back to the capacity thing. You can't make shit fast enough because you don't have enough people working. Yeah, I mean, and you just have too much money to go around. Like People, uh, people have money. Like It's... It's surprising. I mean, what they're buying is obvious. Like you just look at all the luxury items. It's like, you know, the rich will stay rich and the poor will stay poor, even though they all were given a bunch of money, everyone's going to spend it differently. And, you know, the age old argument is like, well, when you only live paycheck to paycheck, it's like, yeah, but you, I mean, we have, we have a a friend who literally just, I mean, I don't even know if he works. He's getting all sorts of just 
uh, I'll call it tithing from the government, just in, in different forms, <laughs> if anybody knows what that means. But it's also, I mean, look at all these zombie companies walking around. I mean, just normal zombie companies, zombie, com- zombie companies in the S&P 500. Like, you were talking about a rising tide. Like, this money will keep these companies afloat. But this is literally, excel- I'm kind of transitioning a little bit. This is accelerating us into crypt- crypto faster. That's why we buy Bitcoin. But crypto in general is going, it's skyrocketed over the last eight months because all the money that's getting spent. And look, I think the last stimulus have proved that most of that money went into the crypto market and didn't go into the stock market. You can't even evaluate the stock market anymore. If we keep pumping money into the economy, everything's going to keep going up and you're going to have crazy wild swings and crashes. At least crypto is decentralized. You don't have to pay the taxes. You don't have to be a part of the quote unquote system. But you know, the further we go into this, the, the, the quicker we're going to go private as a com- as a country and not even care about the dollar anymore. We're just going to literally be a nation full of just you know cryptocurrencies and just <laughs> cyber hornets and just... I don't know. I mean, I don't know where we're going with it. There's really no direction. I don't understand the guy at the helm. I wish he was a little more thoughtful. I support him, but I don't really understand what he's talking about. Yeah, I think you kind of actually just led me down a way where we could just be like, well, I choose, I'm i this one. I don't care. You guys want to give me some of this and I'll get it. We can instantly trade it. You know? Yeah. Because, <laughs> <ever do>. Here's <laughs> $100. Just give it to me in Bitcoin and we're cool. Yeah. yeah. I, or I want, I want Ethereum or I want Doge. It, it could really be like that. Uh, that's that's crazy. But you said something too about the zombie companies. I want to just explain what zombie companies are to our listeners. You know, zombies are companies that earn just enough money to continue operating and service debt, but are unable to pay off their debt in the long term. Meaning these companies, they just scrape by by meeting their overheads like wages, rent, interest payments on the debt, uh, yada, yada, yada. They don't have any excess capital, so they can't grow. A capital, you need excess capital for capitalism to work. So they're basically subject to, you know, they, they have to just keep buying and they keep refinancing their debt. And that's how they keep kicking their can down the road. Like Macy's, like, come on, like that company probably should have went bankrupt. The debt holders should have bought it, should have been able to sell a lot of their land. It, those, those should be a lot of different things than what they are now. I went into Macy's. Actually, I don't. I go into Nordstrom's because that's the type of person I am now. Yeah. If I'm going into Macy's. It's a new um, tax bracket. Exactly. 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 But th- that's what's really interesting is when you have all this like cheap money out there, you have this cheap capital, it, it promotes – um, the misallocation of capital because you don't know where to put it. So then you start valuing it. Oh, I got some of this and I need to put some of this here. Uh, I'm going to use a business guy, uh, Bill Brewster. He was at a party and he said, this guy just got went to the helm of a private equity company. And he was talking about like his stress is like, they have so much damn capital to deploy. I don't know where we're going to put it all. Like yeah. that's the problem you're facing. And then I'm going to punt this back over to you, but I got another topic we'll, we'll go into about right. the excess capital. Well, I just have a little quote and we'll go back to you. This is a quote that Peter Thiel talked about that I thought was pretty relevant. It says, most people think capitalists and competition are synonymous. I think they're opposite. A capitalist accumulates capital. And in a perfect world, in a world of perfect competition, all the capital gets computed away. That's like a true capitalist country. But there are people at the top. It's like, man, you have so much money. It's like, you <laughs> you could bear any risk at this point. Like, it doesn't even matter. Like, people don't know how well-run Apple is. You just... You just know that you're buying the nine and the 10 and the 11 and the 12. And every time you're buying it, it's $1,200 and they sell. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, what a company. I mean, this is just, yeah, go ahead. I mean, that's, that's a capitalist company in my opinion. See, they, well, Teal talks about it a little bit better. Like that's not necessarily capitalistic because there's no competition and it doesn't bleed out. Like a cap, a capitalist would, would further out move, move the capital wider and disperse it more. 
But when you have these companies that are very good, like Apple, I, I support them. I don't think they're monopoly. I don't think they should be broken up. But let's move down the chain to like commodities and steel. Steel, there's not a lot of money at the top. You're not seeing a, like the, the old school billionaires, like the the rocket, like the Rockefeller was the oil guy, but um, the old school steel guys like Carnegie, those guys were like worth more in terms of true dollar than these other guys were because early on they that's how they were doing it. But now, because there's so much competition, it, it dilutes or it, it spreads the capital amongst the best competitors and the best people end up with the money. So I guess, yeah, I guess if we come back to your, maybe Apple is a good example. And I misunderstood the, the, the quote. <laughs> so. It gets competed away in every area. You know, you're still fighting for market share. Yeah, I except mean. for Google and Apple and Amazon. Because they, they have good lawyers and they can present that they, you know, we, we don't own technology. We own a sliver of technology, even though you own big portions of certain spaces that monetize very well. Yeah. Me too. They're, they're largely, you know, when people like Amazon doesn't, we've had this conversation. Amazon doesn't pay taxes. I'm like, good. They've no, done more no. for me than the government has. But we got roads. Congratulations. We yeah. got roads and average education. Yeah. For the, for the uneducated listeners out there thinking, it's like you're basically saying the, the democratic version of this is like the rich and the companies will pay for this entire $6 trillion bill to some degree. And the answer is no, they won't. The companies will just make middle America pay for it. They'll jack up their prices and the rich can hide their assets. But they're rich for a reason. Like people forget like 99% of rich people are, are smart. The 1% is what you look at. Oh, guys, not really smart. It's like, yeah, but the majority of them are. The majority of them wake up at four. They exercise. They go to the cryo chamber. They read. They do kind of all those practical soft skills. They're really good at well, I'm convinced hard skills get you the job. Soft skills get you, like soft skills are what make people great it's like the difference between elite and just a, nor- a really good employee is the soft skills in my opinion like you have to be able to communicate to people on all levels now very very well set and uh, i want to go back to this whole capitalist yeah i mean we're on a tangent well no i was just going to go back to this whole capital liquidity and how much there being so much money out there right now so what has happened and what someone pointed out is there's been a reverse repo. So what this will do is this will reduce the M1 money supply. This will reduce the total amount of true dollars, liquid dollars that are in the system. However, it doesn't change the, the broad money supply, which is M2. So what that means is they're doing a reverse repo. So they are taking, they are, they are selling bonds back into the banks. So the banks are getting the treasury bonds. They're now taking the cash back from the banks. So the banks don't have as much capital. They don't have to be forced to lend as much, but they are taking, they're scraping M1 off the table. They're taking dollar bills and dollars off the table and pumping the banks with treasury bills. Now that seems like, oh yeah, that's actually, it's, it's very well uh, coincided with this whole uh, Bitcoin price drop as well. And there's been big repos going on. So what's happening is they're trying to curb inflation that way right now, but it's not changing the overall, the fact that the bank still has an asset that's worth, you know, 500 billion. If you do a 500 billion reverse repo, you clear off that cash, but you still have $500 billion in a note that pays a principal back to the bondholder. So you still have that aspect. So it hasn't actually changed how many assets are out there. It's just changing the form that they're in and the liquidity of each one of them. I think people are as yeah. I mean, it's very well said in a technical way. I think a lot of people. What if they came out with you? Came at you with the philosophy of like, what's money when you have your health? We should continue to spend as much money as possible. It doesn't matter as long as everyone stays healthy and they have the basic human needs, right? 
but I would kind of argue back. It says like that money kind of holds up the social contracts of society. Like that's like what you need for order to some degree to like have money provides value for society. It allows people to start working and doing labor and progressing our society and being thoughtful and creative. Like people are like money is the root of all evil. Yeah. But it's also the root of all progress. Like that's why Elon Musk is, Elon Musk has enough money to be able to explore space and try to colonize colonize Mars and do the hyperloop. That, those things cost money, regardless of what you think about it. He can't just go do that by himself. Then he's just a weird, random, contrarian dude living in a society where everyone's like, oh, this is crazy Elon, but now he has money to fund potential space travel. Like Money actually services a really good... Everyone talks about the cons of it. Like, we need more, we need more. It's, it's, it's this, it's that. Well, actually, it's really good. Like Money actually helps. It helps motivate people. Like How many men are motivated by money? Like All of them, most of them. I'd say any man... If you're like, hey, if you go work that job and make a million dollars next year, most of them are like, ah, I'm, yeah, I'm doing it. I don't care. Sorry, wife. I'll be back in 365 days. Like it's, I mean, not everyone, but motivates men specifically. I can only speak about men. I can't speak about women, but it would motivate a woman too. So anyways, I, I'm just, I really heard lately is out about how horrible money is, but no one looks at the reverse sides and it creates some of the coolest things ever. Just technology. Yeah, I and don't it, think money and earning money is bad. No, I mean, have you ever after wearing a pair of earbuds, have I have you ever put a cord on ever again besides this podcast? No, I mean, this is stupid. I'm not wearing a <laughs> cord. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's asinine. There's no reason for that thing. <laughs> Money creates innovation. It cultivates innovation and inspiration and ideas. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I really, really good points. And the whole thing about money is demonized. Usually that's just by poor people or other people to say, well, don't worry about what I have, worry about what you have. And you, you, you're better off with less anyway. And that's what a lot of people are trying to justify. And money doesn't buy happiness. That's what they all say. I usually don't agree with what they all say. You know, it's as Daniel Tosh says, have you ever seen anyone frowning on a jet ski? No, you know, don't get me wrong. There's a lot that goes into life, but like money and we'll call it capital at this point when you have really strong capital and you have really strong monetary principles, it does make things like you want to earn that because it's going to hold value and it's going to save you. And it's going to be like savings is valuable because then it allows you to have more freedom. That's what money is typically when we say like, we're after money, we're after freedom, but you need yeah. money to buy yourself true freedom, which is kind of a little bit backwards, but that's the way the world goes right now. So I, I think that's a, a really good point that, you know, money isn't bad. I mean, it does buy you freedom. And yeah, if you use it the wrong way and you don't understand it, it could be really bad for you, especially if you're taking on too much debt and you kind of drown yourself kind of chasing the, keeping up with the Joneses, then it's in a really bad spot. One more, one more take on this before we get to all your meme stocks. Cause I know you want to talk about them. Um, yeah, you know, no, we, we, we can move on. I, I was just going to say money is essentially just like a hedge against life's unexpected events. Like last week, I just like something happened in my car, oil broke. I don't know enough about it. Next thing I know, I had to pay $500 to fix it. And thankfully, I had the ability to have that money in place. But just I got five trillion, $500 to fix an oil pan about something I don't know anything about. And then you're just sitting there on the phone like a sucker talking to a professional. Just, you know, he's just working you. He's like, oh, you know, I want this for another 20, this for another 40. You kind of need it. You're like, I don't know what I do and don't need, but what's the out-the-door cost? But anyways, uh, that's a, it's an example. Of, life's a little bit easier, a little bit more freedom, knowing I'm below $500 on something I didn't know anything about, just to get from point A to point B. Sucks. But let's yeah. go to meme stocks. You want to talk meme stocks? What are you holding? I mean, uh, AMC. 
Well, I was gonna, t- I was gonna just finish up on that. That's what money <laughs> is, supposed, is supposed to be. I was gonna go back to the whole Bitcoin. Yeah. It's like your money, your savings over the long period of time should hold its value. It should still be able to buy you, you know, call it your time. You know, five hundred dollars is call it a week's worth of work. Well, guess what? A week's worth of work should always be worth five hundred dollars in buying power. So if that's a set of tires and oil change, a week's a week's worth of work should always be worth that. Not in the future, it's going to be three weeks worth of work. And that's the issue that that I think a lot of people have with money is they feel like they're always behind and that the rich keep getting richer because they know what to do with it. And, and I think, you know, before we move on to meme stocks, I, I think it's it's just a, it's, it's a product of the market that we're in, all this incredible liquidity. You got all these Robinhood traders at home. Good for them. I, I, some of Good for them. All, the market's all... <laughs> The market's all effed up because of all these young kids in the market. I'm like, get the F out of here. Like, you're just mad. You're just mad because a bunch of young kids got really rich off a stupid stock that you didn't think was worth that. Well, I'm sorry. You're wrong. I don't even know why they're so jealous about it. I mean. They're salty. They hate Tesla, too. I kind of hate them, but for different reasons, you know? Companies have good balance sheets right now. Like, just think of all the furloughs and all the, you know, an expense for companies and income for its employees. Like, when you don't have employees and they're all furloughed, like, your company's not paying a lot of money out. And they're just, you know, the revenue they're collecting, it's, it's, I mean, people have money. That's all I'm saying. People have money right now. Like, people are like, yeah, the world's not doing well. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people have money. The bottom line was given quite a bit of money over the past year. On top of some other things. I know it seems short-sighted. No, these companies are dying to give away money. They're like, all right, 20 bucks an hour, come work for us. 18 bucks an hour, come work. We, we need people to work. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to make enough shit. Yeah. You know? Can you make a sandwich at Subway that's $20 an hour? Holy cow, is that easy? I mean, Jesus Christ. I thought about picking up a part-time job just for fun. Just if you know, like I make an extra you know, 40 grand. No, I'm kidding. I'm never yeah, doing that again. Yeah. would be a DJ, 1200 an hour. It's the <laughs> cost. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, all right. You know, show me. I was going to show anything. I was just say right now you have the meme stocks kind of going crazy again. I don't really know why. Um, I obviously know that they're incredibly like they're short. So I think once the capital continues to flow into them and some people try to get out of their shorts, this is what kind of drives a short squeeze and they're all being short squeezed again. <laughs> and it's hilarious because you have, uh, you have AMC, which I was a holder. I was a bag holder mm. for about about two or three weeks ago, but now I'm rolling in the dough, baby. So I, I, I sold some AMC. I, I, I'm out of the position. I, I probably you know cut myself in half, but you know what? I made some money. I get out of the trade. I was very happy with what I made. Um, but then you have GameStop doing its thing. Keith Gill, Roaring Kitty's back on Twitter. He's out tweeting memes and stuff. Um, and then you have you know, Microvision, you have BlackBerry, you have all those kinds of those that were the meme stock generation. And they are just kind of bananas right now. Yeah, the meme stock. I love it. I love watching the meme. I, I'll be honest, I haven't ridden any of it. None of the Dogecoin, none of the meme stocks, the AMCs, the game stocks, all that. I, I literally didn't invest a dollar in any of them. I've just been rooting for the, for the little guy. Like just, you know, all of you hit the lottery. And then the hard part is watching some of them and none of them sell. And you're like, no, 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 sell, 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 sell. Make your money. Just make your money. It's okay. Don't you want to have a better life? You don't want to go back to the $20 an hour job. I promise you. Like, take your cat. Like, that's the hard part is, like, some people are so stubborn that the meme stock turned into just diamond hands. And I don't know if diamond hands, it sounds awesome. You can just put it on your resume. You know, diamond hands. I'm still holding Dogecoin. But you're like, no, bro, that's not a, in my opinion, that's not a compliment. It's like, yeah, you should, you, you should be a little more thoughtful about your exit. <laughs> um i 
yeah, I, that's how I view those meme stocks. I'm just watching people get rich, and I'm so excited for it. But I just hate when people are still holding the bag on the way down and never sold. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a hard part of it. But again, as long as you're not like most of these guys are walking away with a little bit of dough, a little bit of scratch. I really love the fact that what happened. Um, so they have like diamond hands, ape end, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they they had the ape end. Well, they donated a bunch of money to the ape foundation, which was hilarious because they all made a bunch of money. And they're all like, hey, yeah, here's a couple hundred. Oh, here's a thousand bucks. Here's two thousand bucks. Here's five hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it raised like a quarter of a million dollars for this ape foundation. And I'm like, that's hilarious. But that's the power of the Internet right there. That's what's amazing when you have a group of community and you have, kind of have these you know, people banding together like, hey, you, know, I'm, you can't have my GameStop stock. I have it. It's mine. No, 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 boo, boo. And they're just like, come get it, hedge fund. Come get it. I know you want it. <laughs> Oh, it's like the, I don't know. It's like the poor control the rich to some degree. It's kind of like entertainment. It's like you watch all these entertainers and celebrities in Hollywood, but it's like, you know, the only reason they got their money is because the poor people like have to entertain them. Uh, well, I actually thought, which was crazy. I don't know if we talked about it was how Vitalik gave away a billion dollars to India to help fight the COVID-19, but it was like, he gave a billion dollars away. And I think he gave like Sheba. So it's like, so when you gave him that billion dollars, was it worth a billion when they got to liquidate it? Or is it worth like, don't get me wrong. It was a lot of money. But so it, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, was it worth like a hundred million at the time, which is still good money, but then, you know, when they eventually want to use it, is it actually worth itself? Well, that's the whole thing is like that Shiba coin, the yeah. inventor created it and gave Vitalik half of it just to start. Yeah. Like, that's why all these coins are literally shit coins. So Vitalik's like, fuck it. I sold it. And then I gave it to India, you know, whatever. Or yeah, I, I think he did sell it. I, I think he did. So he sold it and then so he gave sold it. it for like ETH. And then he gave him the Ethereum or something. Oh, uh, good, good, you know, good for him. Yeah, I mean, I seem, he seems like a nice guy. He's just got it like the, his product isn't a truly what well, it's not com- competitive with Bitcoin. It's definitely its own ecosystem. It, it'd be like kind of like if a, a social media network had a a currency. Is that that's kind of what I think Ethereum is. But anyway, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. Well, I want to give one, one take on that. Someone recently told me it's like Ethereum and Bitcoin are like Pepsi and Coke. You know, it's just kind of whatever one you like. I was like, eh, it's more like Coke when it had cocaine in it and Pepsi when it was diluted. Like, they're not the same thing. One's way more, one's better for you. None of them are better for you, but one of them's more addictive. Bitcoin it has a better network, has better quality. I don't know. What is he talking about? But anyways, I just wanted to share that. The, and, the, and the, total, the total addressable market for Bitcoin is in the hundreds of trillions of dollars. You know, Ethereum's probably over its market cap right now. It's kind of the situation where Cisco, if you bought in 2000, it was incredibly valuable in terms of the sales kept going up, earnings kept going up, but it was already so overvalued that it never really gained much more traction after that. That's what I think Bitcoin's facing the gravity of the other cryptocurrencies. That's what that's what's happening right now. A lot of a lot of capital is funding into these other ones trying to chase a Dogecoin or trying to chase yeah. a cum rocket or trying to chase a Shibu Inu, you know. Ass, it's, yeah. You know, I, that's why I think Bitcoin's gonna be a longer cycle. I think next year's gonna be a bigger year. I've kind of recanted where I stand on this year. I think it's gonna be a lot less. But anyway, there, there's just a lot of things going on. The markets are nuts because there's so much money floating around back yeah. to our original topic. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's I mean, it's just everyone has it. Everyone's refining. Everyone's just got just got cash. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know anybody that can't afford anything right now. And I mean, I hope you're enjoying the experience because this two year ride is going to be over. And what are we going to do when it all comes full circle? I like it. So now, Grant, we can't just complain about things. All right. First off, we, we, no. I'm gonna. You're gonna just hear me out. Like we're kind of going on some rants now. 
we we are not financial advisors. We're not professionals. This isn't truly financial advice. This is just our story. We're telling you how we see it and how we're preparing you. So now, Grant, what are you what are you doing financially? How are you positioning yourself for all this madness to make sure you keep up with inflation and you protect your family's wealth? And and what are you doing? Uh, a lot of things, you know. For starters, Bitcoin is the easy, low-hanging fruit, right? I'm just adding value into Bitcoin as frequently as possible. I mean, I'm actually giddy that it's at 35. So it's floating around 35,000. It's been somewhere between 30 and 42-ish over the past, I don't know, several weeks. And for me, it's just like, I got I just got to keep getting more paychecks from work and earning more capital from wherever I can to continue to dump into my... I'm addicted to investing. So a lot of my money goes into investing. And I've been putting a little bit of money into the market, but most of it's been going into Bitcoin independently. And then I've been scattering it around some shit coins here and there. Nothing crazy, but just my contributions to my 401k, everything is always rising. I'm continuing to give to it. Um, very blended investments at the moment. So from an investment standpoint, I, I'm doing okay from a 401k to Bitcoin to just everything that deals with public markets. And then I have an investment with you that's doing pretty well. I'll let you kind of harp on that. Uh, my Amazon business, it, a, a wrinkle got thrown in there. I'm still making decent money, but uh, Amazon completely changed their rules. Just uh, just kind of squeezing the short sellers right now. So uh, I'm still making pretty good capital in my Amazon FBA selling game. Uh, so I'm getting about 1600 bucks, just liquid cash a month. I'm already profitable with the company. So everything I'm getting, I'm putting into whatever. I mean, just, I like to pay bills forward. I like to pay my car insurance six months in advance. I like to... Uh, I, what else do I pay in advance? Everything. I pay as much as I can in advance. And then I started paying my, my house. I started paying half on the first half on the 15th. It's, it's that's working. Uh, I have a startup that I, I eventually, or I just started actually, uh, converting all of my, I was getting a monthly payment from them. And then I converted the entire thing to stock options to exercise. The idea is in three years, they're going to try to go public. That's their plan. Uh, and uh, I have quite a bit of shares in the company now. So I, I've started to convert everything out of just money and into other investments because I'm just afraid of the money. So I want to put it into, right now I'm 32. So what I would deem stable areas. When I'm older and I have more assets, I'll put it into other stable areas. But that's what I'm currently doing. What about you? I want to recap that first before we get to me. So it sounds like what you've done is you've tried to reduce your cash position. You try to hold some Bitcoin, you hold some stocks, you hold some what would be considered harder assets, but then you've also went and added some cash flow streams. And then you've also added some of these moonshot bets where you're in a, where you're in a startup and you're trying to hit some home runs and then you're doing it two ways. You're, you're investing with capital and then you're also investing with your time. So you've got one that you just gave money to a founder and you're like, Hey, good luck. Call me in seven years. And hopefully you hand me a large check with a bunch of zeros on it. Then you have the other route where you are working a lot on your, you're giving your time and you're giving your human capital. So I think that's really cool. Um, how you're you're divvying it up, but you're still giving your chance at what I would consider a, a large payoff, even though it might have a small percentage. But if you look at the asymmetry, that's what we that's what you want. You want to have these moonshots. You want to basically be able to instead of betting a five team parlay, you're basically betting a one team parlay. But instead of winning, you know, even money, you win a hundred x. And I, I really like kind of what, what you're doing there. And um, so if I were to ask you, like, what's kind of like the breakdown of like your cash holdings, your long-term equities, which your like retirement and then your short-term and, and, some, and then some Bitcoin, like, would you, do you just take a best, best stab at it that you could? I, I wouldn't say I have it as broken down as you do. Cash to me is about 25% now at this point. It used to be like 60 to 70. 
it's about 25%, I'd say. I have probably another 12, maybe like 10% into Bitcoin. Um, probably about 50 to 60 in a, a 401k um, that I put in quite a bit. And then I have another maybe, I don't know, 10, 15%. Does that get us to 100 more or less? Uh, and that's my short term. I just play with like, you have to have Hail Mary money. And that's where I probably have the smallest position. It's more like 10%, I would say. And it's just cash that I'm just playing with. And if I lost, I was like, ah, it's a paycheck away, two paychecks away, and I'll be fine. But mostly it's, it's, it's my opportunity to gamble. I, I play with it with smart money, but I always have a sliver of it. It's like, hot oh, dude, 100 to 1 odds. Let's do it. Come on. What's, what's, hey, the, worst, what's the worst that can happen? you got to have your AMC out of the money calls because you never know. You never ah. know when the meme stack's going to get hot. I got some Palantir calls right now. I mean, let's just say I put two grand towards it. I lowered my position this weekend, took some profits, and I'm pretty happy where I'm at. So I'm just playing that game. Yeah, I told you. I had some AMC calls cashed out. I got some microvision calls sitting in my pocket. Take profits, audience. Take profits. That didn't equal 100% to some degree, but that's where I'm somewhat living. I mean, I have a, I mean, I have a home as well. I want to get an investment. But, yeah. What about you? I mean, how, how are you doing? Sliver it out for us. So I, I will go, I'll kind of just, my, my strategy, right, is I obviously am long Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin could get some, hit some really bumpy patches if, if some things, if it doesn't start to break up above 40K, we could be in trouble. There was one thing that I was worried about. The, um, the GBTC was a large buyer of a lot of Bitcoin and they haven't been able to buy it because their premium went negative. So a lot of people were doing this cash and carry trade. Now, there is a cash and carry trade as there's a contango in the futures market. So once they wake up to that, they may start to move back and start to see that premium. I'm, I'm throwing a bunch of fancy terms. I'm not going to explain. Yeah. So there's, there's something that the inflows are not coming. So you're going to need another Michael Saylor at this point. Uh, the stackers won't be able to hold forever. Now someone, Elon comes back in, he loves it. And then you get another couple of, you know, you know, Zuckerberg, even though I think he's eat because he eats the goats, he's, he tweeted one's Bitcoin and one's Max. So I think he's going to eat Bitcoin maximalists. So that's what I'm afraid of. I'm Ooh, taking that route. With but, what, Libra? Yeah, something. I don't know. Or he could be into Bitcoin. But nonetheless, like those are some things that worry me about it. But it's still, you know, I'm going to tell you, it's 20, I see that 22% of my, my net worth is in Bitcoin specifically. So, um, we're holding a lot. We we think that that's a long-term play. It's a 10-year play. That's what I always look at. Because I get frustrated when the price goes down in half. I'm like, ah, fucking bullshit. And, but I, I look at it I'm like, <laughs> what was I going to buy? I wasn't going to buy anything. I got other money that I could buy other stuff with. So uh, I'm also trading. So that's my form of income is I'm, I'm doing option trading. We've had John Horner on the podcast several times. Uh, I'm, I'm trading. Me and him are kind of trading partners. And we kind of talk a lot and, and do strategies. So of that portion, you know, you're looking at like 20, just under 20%. I'm using that to generate income. So I have another form of way to generate yield and actually build cash flow. Then I got another 20% that just sits in long-term equities. They're more, they're more call options. They're like, I'm trying to hit some home runs. Um, just because every time you do hit one of those, the payoff is just so much greater. Even if you're wrong, like you're only lose hundred percent. If you're right, you get 300, 400, 10 X. Um, so that, that's one of the benefits. And then I obviously have some real estate, you know, that's only about 10% of our, our net worth. And then I have long-term equities, like the 401k that you're, you're still, uh, Hey, when we say like buy, buy Bitcoin and we're super hopped up, we still do, this is why we're having this conversation. We still do all this other stuff. 
Yeah. Like you can't oh, yeah. just be a one trick pony. I, it gets a little too. So we have some real estate. Then we have our 401ks that we max, we max out our 401ks every year. So that's the prudent thing to do. That's the right thing to do. And then of course, you know, cash. And then, uh, you know, I only, so of our position, we only hold like only 6% cash. Good for you. Any wow. cash on us. So it gets tight sometimes, you know, yeah. like, ah, it's a little dicey, you know, like, Oh, we, we're going to have to, get that cash position up a little bit. Uh, and <laughs> then, then we have, uh, you know, 5% in the startups and that's where the money really kind of like starts to hopefully pay off. And we're in a startup right now. That's looking at, you know, we gave her kind of the seed or the friends and family round angel round, and she's potentially raising a VC fund or a VC round. So that's going to do a price round. It's going to give us an option to really start boosting the company. Cause right now it's just, it's a girl and a few coders and they're just building out a product for a really big company and she's crushing it, but that's what it takes. That's, that's capitalism. We give her the capital. She's building a company. We'll see. And we hope we get paid off fat in the end, but you got to have this right mix, right? Of core beliefs, like real estate, Bitcoin, some equities. And then you got to have your moon shots, which are your, your call options of, of companies that could blow up. I mean, that changed my life this year with the micro strategy play. Um, and then, you know, having these startups and, you know, you have a startup that, cause they always talk about like Netflix and Netflix at IPO and Amazon at IPO. You don't mm-hmm. get those IPOs anymore. You don't get to invest in that early. Like when they go IPO, that's like an, it's like a, like a series B round and we can go through angel investing one of these days. Uh, that, that should probably be a podcast of ours. When they, when, when they go now, it's like it's several billions of dollars. So to get in the ground floor, you got to be an angel investor. Yeah, or just be one of the workers at the ground floor that started it. And then people who give you that money in seed ground, but you have a good equity in the company. There's ways of doing it. I mean, you could be poor and join join those companies in, in different ways. I think Jason Kalkinas does a really good job of it, showing how anybody can be involved in these companies. Yeah, I mean, to, to just your point that you said you are working for one to gain equity. That's another way you could do it. And you're absolutely correct. So. Right, look at you. You have a pretty good financial portfolio. I haven't done a deep dive yet. I need a financial analyst. I need something to just go across all my, everything I have, go across my P&L, just show me, <laughs> show what I have and what I should be doing. I, need, I mean, I think I'm getting to a point too where I'm super busy every day where I just need something to give me that information. I love to study it and I love the process. You just need another set of hands. Okay, man, we what do you think? What you need to do too is you need to just take one time, once a quarter, and you need to put everything in a spreadsheet and say, all right, well, this is where it all is. My wife, like, to, you know, when I used to have, when I used to be in debt, I used to have my finances a mess. I started tracking it every day. We've talked about that for, before. Mm-hmm. And then once you start tracking your net worth, you don't want to do it too often because then you get emotional, you get tied to a number and it goes up and down. And you're like, ah, but you, uh, you, you do it once a quarter and you just kind of see overall performance. Then you can kind of feel your spending. You can feel your assets. So you can kind of see, it's just a good, good habit to get into. And uh, it is hard. You're right. You got to have uh, it's nice. My wife kind of does all the day-to-day tracking and macro view it and like, Oh, we need to watch this, this, and this. And I'm like, Oh, we're good. We're talking about the healthy exercise and you don't even do the exercise. You just shine. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. She likes that. to do it. And I do the, <laughs> I do the net worth statement. So I go through the net worth and all the stuff we have. And, and that's, that's what I contribute. That's a way of doing it. I agree. Yeah. Mm. Macro, <laughs> macro, not micro. Macro. <laughs> I'll, I'll manage 10 year. You just deal with the everyday bills, you know? Yeah. You make sure we uh, pay all of our bills and don't get evicted and don't ruin our credit scores. I'm trying to get us the house on the hill. Okay. We have our roles. <laughs> Very 
as long as they're refined and they agree to them and they're good at them, I think that's a, that's a solid plan, you know, marry or equal. You know, I think this episode we've covered a lot, covered a lot about the macro and what's going on right now. And then we talked about how we're kind of managing it and how everyone should have a really broad base of assets. I don't really have anything else to add. What you got anything left for me? Don't need no. some meme stocks. You should have a little bit of exposure to meme stocks. Okay. Like 1%, 2%. You got to have something in there. I don't have anything in there. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. You can convince me. Just send me a meme stock. I'll play the game. I'm in microvision right now. I got 50 call options. So I'm sitting on a big bag. If this thing hits up, uh, if this thing excited for that, should I join you? I mean, if we, I mean, you'll, you'll have a larger position. I don't know 50 bag or something. I really have any interest for or a taste. Uh, I would say anybody who's not making any money or has a side income right now, go, go figure it out. There's a wealth of money out there. I mean, there's so much money out there right now, and it's 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 never been easier to make a dollar. In all honesty, it requires work. Don't get me wrong; like, it's not free money. Like you have to do something for it. But uh, most people, in my observation, they're, they're pretty lazy. They get home, Netflix, six beers, go to bed, lather, rinse, repeat. Weekends, they kind of don't. They live for the weekends, but really for no reason. Like man, if you're working towards something and filling your time with with investments or, or business that you, businesses that you want to run or, or just even adding more value value to your current job. Like ugh, the amount of money that you can make short and long-term is it's $6 trillion. Everyone's going to get paid more money. How about that? That's my, that's my takeaway. There is money to be money to be had out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to work for it, but at, at the end and inevitably, you know, we're going to achieve success. We're going to kind of get the goals we set out for, and they're going to be like, man, you are so lucky. And we'll just tell them, well, hey, luck is what happens when opportunity meets preparation. So get ready.